0: Hi, Scott Weatherford. so glad you're back. And today we're gonna to talk about something that's probably a bit controversial and probably a bit misunderstood because I know as I started digging into this, I started with this perception, ended up with another reality. So I wanna take you on this adventure. We say we love God and I believe that's a, that's a true statement. We really do love God. We love God because he first loved us and because we love God, then we worship God. And we learned to worship by watching others through traditions or through experiences, or, or by direction. We we grew up as a Baptist, I, you know. Our worship gathering, you know, if you didn't attend, you really didn't belong to Jesus, and your judge your spiritual capacity was judged by your you know your attendance, which is really kind of different, just kind of crazy. But um, in, in that gathering that you you attended, you kept quiet, kept quiet. You only reacted with a spoken amen. You wouldn't dare raise your hands or any kind of other demonstrative uh, thing. You stood at the right time. You said at the right time. You made sure you were properly dressed. And you you was a spiritual discipline to teach children how to sit still during worship gatherings. Like, I could never figure that out. Well, while growing up, my behavior was a little bit different from other kids' behavior. And I remember getting a spanking every Sunday because I could not sit still in church. In fact, I grew up, I'm going to make this confession to you. You're going to be like, what? I grew up hating church. Hated it. And I was, I had a drug problem. I was drug to church. And when like when I got in trouble, my mother made me go to Wednesday night prayer meetings. That was my punishment. I'd rather have been beaten and gotten over with. My parents did beat me. I'd, I'd rather be spanked and gotten over with than have to go to prayer meeting. And, and that's that was my punishment. And I just like, what the heck? And then he comes along, God calls me to be a pastor. Like, really? Really? Now I love Jesus and I love God, and I was a a guy that, you know, the little guy in the Sunday school class that knew all the answers and all the stories and could quote scripture, I was always that kid. but Man, I sure didn't like church because it just, just wasn't me. So I remember when I started a church in Victoria, Texas, I said, I want a church that reaches people like me that didn't necessarily care for church. And then God takes me on another adventure and I end up in revitalizing churches that were like the church I grew up in goes to show you it ain't about me. It's about God and what He does. Now, all that's saying that, really, do I want to be what God wants me to be? Do I want to worship Him as He wants me to worship? Or is it all about my preference? All about my preference. So according to Jesus, nothing that I experienced in my childhood was really worship. What? At least I wasn't worshipping. Jesus said this, but the hour's coming and it it's here now The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Really? Yeah, really. Huh? So we're going to talk about knowing God from the start. And we're going to take a look at the first recorded worship gathering. And I title this, this talk, The Curse of Preference. We have a tendency to do what we like. We have a tendency when it comes to experiencing God and expressing love for God to do so in a way that we fall into this trap. Now, there's a movie called Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby, he prays to baby Jesus. And there's a conversation, a ludicrous conversation around the table talking about which Jesus they pray to. One of them says he prays to the the money changing, temple turning over baby Jesus, one prays to baby Jesus, that they got all these forms of Jesus that they pray to. And all of that is nonsense. But listen, listen, listen. We often pray to God like we want to, or worship God in our sphere instead of God's. Huh. Let me give you a list, brief. Rituals and readings. We like to keep things the same and repeatable We like to sing the same songs, pray the same prayers, do the same things. We call it tradition, but it's really our preference. Is that spirit and truth? Could be, but is it? Light, smoke, and hip, cool music. Some call that a show. Soft vibes and points in keeping things folksy. Acoustic worship. Really? Long sermons. Well, nobody likes that, so sorry. Of the older the better. If it's old, it's better. It's vintage Jesus. Like calling songs from the eighteen hundred traditional and the 50 style of church gatherings traditional instead of are they current? Are they relevant? Or so the gospel. I mean that's the way they worship with Jesus with the tenor singing high note at the end. That's how it is in heaven. Huh. Or building our theology around music is set around scripture. Now, I could go on and on. I think you get it. I don't mean to be snarky or condescending. That's not my heart at all. What I want you to say is that these are expressions of worship mostly based on culture preference. But what is this account of Genesis 4 really talking about? This is a case study in worshiping in spirit and in truth as Jesus told the woman in John chapter 4. So let's lean into that and know God from the start and learn to worship him in spirit and truth. Pray with me, okay, because we're going to need prayer for this one. So Jesus, I thank you for what you're you're going to say to us in this talk. And I thank you that you're the author of all this and, and and not me. And these people don't need to hear my opinion. They need to hear your truth. So I pray that you'll speak to me and I thank you for what you're going to say. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Amen. So i gonna read for you out of Genesis chapter four, verses one through seven. The, the man was intimate with his wife, Eve. And the word intimate there is the word genosos. It means to, an intimate, intertwining physically and spiritually. And she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have made a male child with the Lord's help. So she also gave birth to his brother, Abel. And Abel became a shepherd of the flocks and Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering and he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious and he looked despondent. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? Why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at, at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Okay, let me give you some background before we talk about this. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden because of sin. I think you know that. And sin brought the curse. They were covered with animal skins. This was a foreshadowing of blood sacrifice. God covered them with skins because they were naked. And he made skins for them to cover their nakedness. And one day he's going to cover us with his righteousness. When we receive Christ, we're covered with his righteousness. And so this is a foreshadowing. Okay. So they're thrown out of the garden, and, but they kept worshiping God. They kept worshiping God. Their rebellion had broken their spiritual connection but and with their one another, but towards God, they were looking to be restored. They kept worshiping even though they fell because when you encounter God, you cannot walk away from Him. Now you might wander away, but God will bring you back. It's what He does. And so they kept worshiping. When Eve had a first child, She said this, I have made a male child with the Lord's help. Now, I want to dive into the Hebrew there to see what you think about this. Now, there's three schools of thought about this passage. First of all, she was thinking she had given birth to the Messiah. Literal Hebrew translation based on the promise of God made in Genesis 3. He will bruise your heel and you will bruise his head. She thought she had given birth to the dude who would bruise the head of the serpent and restore what they were missing in the garden. She says, I have given birth to Messiah. That's literally what it says. I have brought forth the man, the God-man who'll restore. So Cain may have grown up believing that he was the God-man. So Eve might've set Cain up for a huge failure by her parenting, by projecting, get this, Love, greater love for one child over another. Oh, okay. Here's the second thought that Eve thought, I am like God now that I've created man. I've given birth. I'm like a God or I am God because I'm like God I created. Okay, a little twisted, but still in the same root of rebellion. Or here's the third. I survived childbirth and I have a son and I'm glad that's over. Okay, so that's kind of the three looks at this that 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 some scholars have wrestled with. I don't know which one it is. I think it's number one that she says, I've given birth to the Messiah and that it created a problem. When she named Cain, his name means acquired. I have acquired the Redeemer. That's literally what it meant. Cain could have grown up with that sense of entitlement as the firstborn or thinking that he was a Messiah. Oh, he was just better than his brother because he was the acquired one. Abel means vanity, or brevity, or nothing. Abel was nothing or short-lived according to his name. Cain acquired Abel vanity, nothing. Competition set up from the beginning. Arrogant, elite, entitled, judgmental, better than, could be called racism. Cain. Subservient, lowly, nothing, insignificant. ooh Recipe for disaster. You see, Adam and Eve taught the boys how to worship God, and some even say where to worship God. Some think they got as close back to the Garden of Eden as they physically could get in order to worship. They, uh, they long to be back in the presence of God Therefore, they would gather as close as they could in the worship experience as they could to be close to God. Now, listen, that's exactly what we did when we started building cathedrals. We tried to create this this ethereal, heavenly kind of presence that we could somehow think that we were creating a celestial place when it was just a building. Wow. Wow. We're trying to be restored and recreate what we're missing so desperately. Now, some theologians think that there were other people on the earth. These other people created by God and their lineage was not recorded as Adam and Eve's lineage was recorded. Some think that the recorded birth order, uh, there was a new order after the fall of man. Okay, whatever, we don't have time to get into that. But that's kind of interesting. I thought it was interesting. When the Bible is silent, listen, we have to trust that God has details that are in keeping with his character. Listen to me. The best commentary on scripture is scripture. The best commentary on scripture is scripture. Therefore, when you're looking at Old Testament, you have to consider all of scripture, in which I've done in preparing these things. And I like all of it. I'm not that smart, but that's the whole process. If the worship gathering in those days... Um, were if more people were worshiping then the rejection of Cain the acquired one's offering was a public rejection this would have taken very embarrassing especially for Cain because of his entitlement and Abel's perceived lower standing so Cain was embarrassed humiliated publicly with God's rejection so look at this, you say, okay, all right, what's up? Why was Cain rejected and Abel's accepted? Well, what, why would that happen? I'll give you some of my thoughts. Both were both offerings were approved by God according to the Hebrew tradition. The fruit or the grains that was the first fruits, the first grains, absolutely perfect except, uh, accepted according to Levitical law that was written later after Cain and Abel. So everyone knew that that was cool. God took that. Abel's offering of the fat portions of the sheep, of the firstborn, the, the lamb, was a foreshadowing of Jesus and perfectly acceptable and part of Jewish ritual. So both offerings were cool. God liked both offerings because they were both foreshadowing. Get this, in communion, we have bread and we have wine, which is a symbol of blood. Oh, so it wasn't a problem with what was offered. Offerings were not made to appease God, but to express gratitude and honor to God. Now, in every other belief system, offerings are made to appease an angry God. In the Hebrew worship and our worship, offering is made to honor God and to thank God with the gratitude of God, not out of necessity or guilt, but out of gratitude and love. Huh. So God wants us to respond to him out of love and not out of obligation. The offerings that were given were foreshadowed with Jesus' sacrifice, as I said. Offering of the first fruit and the blood so to convey God was shed his blood, his blood for us. One theologian said, now this is kind of ridiculous, that God preferred to smell a barbecue over a fruit basket. That's <laughs> just silly. That's why I said the best commentary is scripture, not subdued writing from a, a warped sense. The best source to understand scripture is scripture. Now, here's the difference. Abel... Made his offering in faith with humility. In faith with humility. Listen, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approves his gifts. Even though he's dead, he still speaks through his faith. Abel came in humility and brokenness with gratitude and offered a faith sacrifice. Cain made his offering with pride and arrogance. Now, how do I know that? Because his response, he killed his brother. That's how I know it. Because the content of your heart will drive the actions of your life. Even though God warned him, since scratching at your door, dude, Cain still responded in his arrogance and pride. You see, Cain fell into the trap of comparing and competing. He he compared his offering to his brothers, and he said, it's just as good that he competed with his brother to earn God's favor. When you were not earning God's favor, you were giving out of love and devotion. Cain preferred God on his terms and not God on God's terms. Cain's entitlement might have been due to a lot of things. His mother, influence over he's the man, he's the God-man. Or his now self-inflated view of his pride would have been he's greater than his brother, greater than his brother. But pride was what kept Cain from really fully giving his sacrifice to God. C.S. Lewis said this, pride made the devil the devil. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Cain came in pride, Abel came in humility. That's the difference. But he gives greater grace, therefore God says God resists the pride, proud and gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. But then God did this. It's very interesting. Cain came in humility, presented his offering. Out of gratitude, Cain came in pride and presented his offering. And because of his arrogance and pride, it was rejected. But God extended grace to Cain. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so furious and why do you look so despondent? Do what is right, you will, and won't you be accepted? But If you do what is right, sin is crouching at your, at the door. It's to fire, desire of you, but you must rule over it. You see, God knows our hearts, and even when he sees and he knows our sins, he's always offering us a way back to himself. He did that through the cross of Christ. He gave us a way back to himself. That I could worship God in humility, in thankfulness, and gratitude, and not God on my terms, but God on his terms, because God wants me to worship in spirit and in truth, not the way the hymns I sing, the rock and roll music I listen to, the length of a sermon, the um, chill bumps of a gathering, but the content of my heart and gratitude to my savior to honor and worship him. Cain rejected God and he chose to become the first murderer when God offered him a pathway back Restoration. Now I want you to take a look at you. Do you worship God in spirit and truth or do you worship God in your preference? Are you just going through rituals in motion? Are you looking at the content of your heart? Are you driven by your preference and not by love and conviction? What do you need to change? I find it amazing <clears throat> that I had trouble with the church with the church as a kid, and now I'm serving God by serving the church. Actually, I'm serving Jesus by serving the church. I love that God is a God who gives a second, third, and even fourth chances, even on a kid like me. Maybe you've been worshiping wrong all these days. You've been saying, oh, I prefer this, or I prefer that, or I want this, or I want that. And y'all, you know, singing hymns or singing choruses or being contemporary being traditional, That's all nonsense and noise. What does God want us to do? A lot of times we use the arts in a culturally relevant way to speak to people that are far away from God, not give preferential treatment to those who already know Jesus. You see, a believer will surrender their rights and privileges and preferences so that people can come to know Christ. That's a sign of maturity. Huh. Maybe you've been worshiping wrong all these years and maybe not. I don't know what does you respond to Jesus? What does he want you to do today? So here's some thoughts. Maybe he wants you to come to him for the first time. You've been attending church, but you've never given your life to Jesus. You've been showing up, but nothing's been showing up in you. You've been judging the quality of your relationship with God by the musical preference that you have or the preaching preference you have or some other ritual preference you have instead of the God who loves you and has called you and wants you to worship him in spirit and truth with honor and adoration and thanksgiving. Maybe you're just churched and you're lost. Come to Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Maybe you need to come back to Jesus. Maybe you need to say, you know what, Jesus? Jesus. I'm going to go further with you and surrender my preferences. Uh, I hate to tell you this is what I've had to do. I've had to say, you know, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about you. And whatever I do, whatever I sing, whatever I speak, ever how I gather to worship you has to be out of a grateful heart because I'm a sinner that got saved. And I'm a savior who loves me in spite of me. Pray with me. Father, I don't know what folks need to do with all this, but God, I pray that you will lead them to make the decisions you need to make. Father, to the folks that have just been exposed to you but never trusted you, they're churched, but they're lost. I pray right now they'll say, you know what, Jesus, I had it wrong all these years, and now I want to come to you and give my life to you. I want to pray this, Jesus, I'm yours. Forgive me, save me. Let me live for you. Father, others have prayers they need to pray, preferences they need to surrender, entitlement and arrogance they need to set aside. God, let us not be like Cain, but let us be like Abel. Even though we're nothing, you, the King of glory who are everything, has come and rescued us that we might be called your sons and daughters. Thank you for what you've said to us today, and I pray we'll make decisions that change our eternities right now. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want you to listen to this last song and make some decisions. If you prayed today and you received Jesus, let us know. Let us send you a gift, a a Bible, a next steps package. We have our next steps available online. If you want to become a part of our church, many people watching online have taken that step to become a part of our church family, which is awesome. And some people live as far away as New Jersey have done that. So take those next steps and become a part of our family and, and live all for Jesus. And again, thank you for your generosity. Keep giving as we we give the message of Jesus Christ and the mission of that there's hope in this world through his love and his power through this church called First Baptist. I love you guys, and I'll see you again next week as we continue this adventure in Genesis. I hope this helps.